Welcome to the Reading with Children's Book Podcast, a monthly podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the world of children's books and bookselling. I'm Leanne Hall, a children's and YA bookseller and author. And I'm Angela Crocom, a bookseller and occasional author. Today, uh, we're bringing you our first episode recorded from home. Um, just to mark the timing of this of this podcast episode, we're currently in the first week of May. I've been working about seven or eight weeks from home already. Um, and Angela, how are, how are you going? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I've been uh, going into the bookshop, my office, and uh, most days, and that's actually been really nice. Um, it's great to get out of the house and be surrounded by the things that I love and uh, yeah. yeah and getting some exercise I've been riding my bike quite a bit oh, to excellent. work and yeah that's been nice oh lovely so um I mean there's a lot we could say about all the different changes that have been happening at, at readings um since we've got into stage three restrictions but I guess that the major change for you Angela is that we've just been selling a lot of books online is that correct yes yes our website has been going crazy which yeah. uh, is great um, yeah so we've kind of turned into an online store um, so I've been picking lots of books from the bookshop to be sent out to customers and also taking some phone orders from people who uh, aren't comfortable with using a website or who want special recommendations and that yeah it's been really fun to kind of just chat to people on the phone see how they're doing yeah. see how they're coping that's nice yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good bit of contact for everyone, isn't it, really? Yeah, that's right. Have you noticed any differences in what people have been ordering in the kids from Kids and YA? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, lots of activity books, lots of yeah. uh, things to keep the kids busy. And also uh, people want sort of, I guess, uh, escapism and yeah. uh, comic relief perhaps. They're not... Uh, we, we saw a lot of, after the bushfires over summer, we saw a lot of um, interest in environmental books and yeah. that has just dropped off markedly uh, lately. People can't seem to, you know, people don't want to cope, I guess, with two crises at too once. Too many big issues at once. That yeah. Makes sense. yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll get back to that. I hope that we'll get back to, you know, interest in the environment. Um, but at the moment, people just want some, some escapism, some fun, some, um, you know, perhaps some crime thrillers or some laughs. Excellent. So we'll probably get to that a little bit later in the episode. Um, I'll let you know what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so first of all, we're going to talk about new releases and what we've been reading under lockdown. Um, we're then going to talk about what I've called homeschooling blues. This is my the homeschooling blues segment. I think, Angela, I'm going to be grilling you about your experience being a parent working from home and having a child. <laughs> being homeschooled at the moment and I guess we'll talk about the type of um the type of reading that that people are doing and some of our recommendations for while people are spending a lot of time with their kids at home um and then we're going to cut to a interview that we recorded with Jessica Miller the author of The Republic of Birds there was an interview that was recorded uh pre-pandemic when people were still meeting in person um and I got to meet with Jessica in person which was wonderful um, as I love the Republic of Birds. So that will be our last segment on this podcast. But first of all, I thought we would talk about new releases and all the things that we've been reading. Angela, have you 
been reading more than usual, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've just been ploughing through the books and yeah. loving it. <laughs> yeah, I, I must admit, I've one of the one of the benefits and positive sides of this is I have also been ploughing through the books. I've got quite a tottering stack of books I've managed to get through recently, and it's it's kind of nice to accelerate accelerate my reading <laughs> for just a little a little while. Um, what have you What have you been reading recently that's really captured your imagination? Um, well, I have been reading the new Patrick Ness. It's just come out this month. It's called Burn. And uh, it was really, really wonderful. He's such an interesting writer. He kind of tries something new every time. There's always um, a, a, a kind of a new concept that he's working with. So yeah. in this one, it's set in an alternate 1950s world uh, where dragons uh, exist and are sentient and quite intelligent and they have um, – They've uh, they've uh, signed a treaty with humans yeah. that they won't attack them and kill them, um, and they're they're kind of a dragon is hired out to burn uh, a forest on this man's farm, and yeah. uh, the main character is his daughter who strikes up a friendship with the dragon. Um, but yeah, there's sort of parallel universes. There's uh, a, a evil baddie the sheriff of the local town is just yeah. horrible and um it's just an, an occult this it's always a great cult in yeah in a book this like FBI this. Agent <laughs> well, yes that's it? right um yeah it's it just a, wild a, <laughs> it is yeah really pacey really exciting and just really interesting uh like all his best work so Excellent. Yeah, I'm loving that. That's my YA pick for yeah. the month. Yeah. Yeah, I've only got one YA pick as well, actually. I must admit, I think because, you know, as we were discussing, maybe people are gravitating towards lighter lighter and more entertaining reading. I actually haven't been reading much much YA. I've only read um, one YA recently, and that's Again, Again by E. Lockhart. Oh, uh, e. yes. Lockhart, I always look forward to reading. She's she's an unusual writer, I think. She's yeah. similar to Patrick she she has her own style. She has, you know, is often surprising in the kind of form or format that she chooses um, to write her books. So I would describe again and again as a, hmm, it's such an uncategorizable book. It's a realistic romance story. So the main character, Adelaide, um, has just had a really, really terrible breakup that she's feeling really, really um, bitter about. And then almost immediately after she's broken up uh, with her boyfriend, who's who's gone overseas on a you know a journey of discovery, um, she she fixates on and then starts crushing on another boy, and it then sort of unravels into this kind of multiverse inspired mm. narrative, where lots of different possibilities are presented for each interaction and scene between Adelaide and the object of her crush, and it sort of it spreads out into this spider web of of sort of exploration of what is romance, what are crushes, what is love, why do we fixate on people, why do we obsess about people, what's what's real and what's not when it comes mm. to feelings. 
next. Yeah, yeah. I, I read some of that as well, actually, and uh, it's a very different take on the alternate universes from the Patrick Ness, and yes. I have to say it was not for me. <laughs> I mean, I can understand that there's a, definitely a bit of an adjustment period when starting to read it, I think. Um, I I stuck through, yeah, I stuck through that uncomfortable phase and ended up coming out the other side and, and loving it. But I can understand it's it's definitely not for everyone, but for maybe um, readers that want to try something that's really quite different and want to kind of explore ideas about, I don't know, how to tell a story or about reality mm. itself or, yeah, I, I, I ended up really, really loving it. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What else have you have you been reading? Uh, well, I did um, go back to an older title, and it, it actually is a, a an environmental title. It's called The Carbon Diaries by Sashi Lloyd. Okay. And, um, it's it's really interesting. It's uh, it was described as kind of um, Adrian Mole. Okay. <laughs> a little bit Adrian Mole. Um, because it is, it's a diary format and it's quite funny, yep. but uh, it's about a young girl. She's, I don't know, 15 or 16, and it's set in a uh, 2015, but it was written well before that. And um, the UK has gone on um, serious carbon restrictions. Okay. So uh, you're not allowed to kind of drive your car anymore. There's no overseas holidays. Uh, it is sort of a, a lockdown kind of vibe. Okay, then, interesting. Um, yeah, any travel you sort of have to allocate carbon to and even heating your house. Um, so you've got – and if you go over your allocation of carbon, then you get fined and um, you have to do this sort of um, community service. Okay. Uh, yeah. So That's – <laughs> it was really interesting, and even though that seems like a pretty harsh topic, it's actually quite funny because uh, yeah. she's just your ordinary teenage girl, and um, you know, is trying to the whole family's trying to adjust to this, and her sister uh, goes off to Greece, has a few um, naughty trips to Greece, and okay. gets the whole family in trouble, you know, because it goes completely over their carbon limit. Uh, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I that thought it was great. a really yeah really interesting take on that. So that was a bit of a a blast from the past. Yeah. Um, and an, another one, a totally different one, an, an adult book, but it's about uh, kids' books. Is called okay. Fierce Bad Rabbits by um, a British poet called Claire Pollard. And uh, it's really interesting. So it's just all these stories about picture books, how they were created and the stories behind them about the authors and um, people like Kate Greenaway, Maurice Sendak, uh, the Olbergs. And, uh, yeah, just a little bit gossipy in some places, all these fascinating details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. haven't heard of that one. That seems to have slipped me by completely. Yeah, it's really fun, really fun. And ex-bookseller, who you may know, Kathy Kozlowski, who yes. used to work for Readings, she recommended it and uh, ah. it's really good. Kathy is still recommending great books even from <laughs> retirement. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, what um, else have you been reading? Well, I think uh, I've been reading um, a lot of middle fiction. As I said, I'm, I'm looking for sort of lighter 
um, shorter fair, I think, at the moment. So a new release that I'm halfway through at the moment um, is The Year the Maps Changed by Danielle Binks. Mm, yeah. Um, just such a lovely book and it is very suitable to my current mood, I think, in that it does actually deal with some pretty serious situations within a family and with a community, but it does it does so with a very um, a warm and light touch and a, a very sensitive touch, which I find is really suiting me at the moment. Um, so it's about um, a grade six student called Fred and there are currently a lot of changes going on in her family. Uh, her pop has been unwell and, and hasn't been living at the house. Um, her her father, Luca, has a new partner called Annika and they're expecting a baby. Um, and she's also having to live with a, a new stepbrother, Sam. Um, and it's in this kind of already tumultuous family environment um, that um, the community that they live in, which is um, on the Mornington Peninsula, is just accepting uh, 400 refugees from the conflict in Kosovo. Um, so it's sort of like a, a very recent historical fiction. Um, and I'm, I'm absolutely loving that one. I think, Angela, you've yeah. read. You've read I have. I love that book. I think it's just gorgeous. There's a real kind of um, emotional intelligence yeah. in there that shines through from the yeah, main character, Fred. And I love the author, Danielle Binks. She's just such a such a wonderful person. So, yeah, I really hope that book does really well and gets into the hands of, of lots of people. Yeah, it's kind of a special thing when someone you've known for years um, has their first book out. And Danielle's been a, a really staunch advocate for Australian young adult fiction and um, middle fiction and has been very, very involved in the literary community. So it's a real thrill um, to see her debut novel getting published this month. Yes. The other one I really liked is another Australian one, um, and that's Penny Tangy's As Fast As I Can, um, which I would say is a really great one for a really um, – for a slightly younger reader in the middle grade category. So I think sort of an eight- or nine-year-old um, mm -hmm. could manage this one quite easily. Um, and it's about a, a young girl – who is really obsessed with going to the Olympic Games, except for she can't figure out what sport she <laughs> try for. And she's been, she's Aww. sort of cycled through a few different sports and not really found her special talent um, <laughs> yet for a sport. Um, and she eventually discovers it in, in cross-country running. She's actually um, an excellent long-distance runner, but then some things start happening in her family with her family's kind of health Um that really kind of puts her dreams of the Olympics into question a little bit. Um, and I I was a very sporty child, so any book that features running or a sporty main character um, is something that I really gravitate towards. So I really love that. It's very, very funny, very sweet, very heartfelt as well. Oh, that's great. And Penny Tanjay, um, she was shortlisted for our Children's Prize a couple of years ago uh, yeah. for for Get Well Soon, which I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. She's a fantastic author who manages to to have real sensitivity to the kind of issues that trouble kids of a certain age, but also she's so funny. Like, I think um, she's a stand-up comedian as oh, well. Oh, wow. Has done a lot of comedy <laughs> in the past. Uh, she's a very okay. funny, very funny person. Um, and I think that that sense of humour also shows through in her her writing, which I think yeah. is a really nice balance. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, we did discuss, I think one of the things I've, I've found is because I've also um, been kind of delving deep, deep into the shadowy cobwebby corners of my bookshelves recently, just trying mm -hmm. to find the right 
the right book for the right mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I think I've got more of a tendency to go back to classics at the moment as well. Mm, and you've okay, been re- yeah. you've been reading some classics recently, have you? I have. Well, I read a YA classic again, uh, The Outsiders by Essie oh, so Hinton. Oh, my God. It still I just extends read it the test of time, right? It it's amazing. It really does. 50 years old and it is still so fresh yeah. and so pacey. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Great. I was just entranced by that world and just blown away. She wrote it when she was 15. It was published yeah. when she was 16 or 17. Yeah. Just, it's just extraordinary. It's a very extraordinary feat. I read that a few years ago and I was I was kind of stunned at how fresh and relatable and current it still felt so long. Yeah. Yeah. What what classics have you been reading? All right. So I've I I bought this ages ago and it took me a long time to get to and I'm so happy that I finally got to this. It's called The Swish of the Curtain by Pamela Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, It's part of a series, I think there's four or so books called the Blue Door Theatre series. Um, And very similarly, the the author wrote this when she was only 14 and she wrote it during World War II and it wasn't published until she was a little bit older, um, but still a teenager after World War II. And it is a delightful, very, very English, very (laughs) sweet and innocent novel about a group of children that are really into acting and performing and they start their own amateur theatre called the Blue Door Theatre in a small English town that they live in and it goes into a great amount of detail of all of the different um, productions that they put on. It goes into the script and the dancing and the costume and the makeup and all of the (laughs) backstage dramas and the family disapproval of their terribly bohemian choice in life to, to aspire to be actors. (laughs) <laughs> um, it was it was such a romp, and it does have that very quaint and innocent feel. But as well, it's also got a very wicked sense of humour and some really sharp dialogue in it. So I I mm. I loved it so much. Yeah, it was a, it was a winning one for me. I really, oh, that's great. That's yeah. great, and it is a series as well, isn't it? That's the first of uh, four is. or five books. Yeah. That and I get the feeling, just looking at what happens in the next book, is it really spans a series, um, really spans a lot of time. Like I'm pretty sure we're going to get to see these kids grow up sort of through their early, through their childhood and teenage years and find out what happens to them as adults in their respective performing careers. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to following that up. which I think might be a neat neat segue because you have a budding actress at home, Angela. Um, I do. Yeah, and we were going to talk a little bit about the homeschooling experience um, that you're having at the moment, an experience <laughs> which I am not having, so I'm very curious to find out, I'm very to find out what it's been like. Well, I think I'm very lucky in that my daughter is in grade six now and quite uh, self-motivated, so... Um, She's been, you know, taking herself off to school. Nobody's allowed to talk when she's on the the computer uh, in her online classroom. And um, she's been very busy. It's it's worked out really well. I feel, I mean, I think it's really hard for them not not spending time with their friends and not interacting in in a more spontaneous manner like you would in the classroom. Yeah. but, 
you know, I think for the older kids, it's it's okay. I think younger kids, it must be really, really difficult just keeping yeah. them engaged and um, keeping them focused um, on on what's going on. And I think that does require a lot of parental input, which, yeah. you know, for those of us who are still working is really challenging. Um, yeah, but we have been reading quite a bit together as well, which has been Great. lovely. We've been swapping yeah. a lot of graphic novels. Okay. Um, so we read Plain Janes, which I oh, loved, um, yep. which is really about art and art as expression and art as rebellion and art as therapy. Um, Wonderful. From the experience of a young girl who uh, was in a, a bomb so she she was just passing a cafe and this bomb went off and so she's quite traumatized by that she moves to a new town to start again with her family and um uses art as as her way of um finding new passion and love for the world Um, yeah that was great and we also read heavy vinyl which is about a um uh, also a graphic novel about a bunch of girls who are sort of uh, they work in a record store, but they're also a a gang of crime-fighting vigilantes on the side. <laughs> God, that's exactly what I wanted my early years to be like. Sadly, sadly, it was very disappointing in that regard. No cool job, no crime-fighting gang. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a very cool first job working in a record store. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one we've been reading together is um, Anne Frank's Diary. Oh wow! Which is a very oh, what an appropriate thing to read at this time. Yeah, yeah. She did a lovely um, uh, exercise in her art class, which was to kind of just look out your immediate window and draw what you could see. Like Anne Frank, um, you know, is kind of caught up in this room and can only see what what is goes on out the window. Um, yeah, so that that's been good. Poor Anne, caught up in all the petty kind of, um, you know, arguments and um, annoyances that I think yeah. probably a lot of people are, are feeling when they're cooped up oh, absolutely. in a small yeah. space yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. all the little <laughs> daily frustrations and build up of, yeah, yeah. Build up of familial tension that doesn't That's right. be um, appropriate at this time. <laughs> Are you finding that still there's still a really large place for books and reading um, at this time when there's still I guess there's a lot of schoolwork being done um, yeah. at the kitchen table and and but there's still time time for books. Um, yeah, yep, definitely. Yeah, I did notice actually. You know, at first when we went into into lockdown, uh, I noticed there was a lot of activity bo- books being sold and coming up in our bestsellers, and Eddie Wu's books started selling. Mm. Really, really well, his amazing maths books. And yeah, I've got the feeling that people, but I think as time has gone on, I feel like the, the sales have moved on to lighter fare. Um, and it seems like maybe there was an initial burst of like, we must sort of stick to the curriculum and improve our brain. Yeah. And now things have gotten a little bit more creative and fluid and <laughs> in people's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think people are playing maybe more games with their family and um, puzzles. 
Although I have to say, we did start a 500-piece Sean Tan puzzle a couple of weeks ago. Oh, we wow. still haven't finished it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many, because there were so many people buying puzzles from readings. I wonder how many of them actually got finished or, yeah, or look, abandoned we should, halfway. We should probably ask our customers <laughs> to send in their photos, shouldn't we, just yeah. so we can see whether these puzzles are actually being being done. Um, yeah. I find doing Puzzles really depends on my mood. Sometimes they can be the most soothing thing ever, mm-hmm. almost meditative. But if I'm, I'm having trouble with a particular puzzle, it can actually become quite depressing, my inability mm-hmm. to like, progress. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. The, the puzzle seems like a sort of metaphor for my inability to progress in life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. And all those different shades of, you know, a particular colour that you just can't kind of uh, mm. differentiate anymore. Mm. <laughs> I definitely notice, you know, I, I feel like at least in our kids' bookshop, we do sell a diverse range of like puzzles and activity kits and things like that. And I'm guessing that that perhaps that has ramped up a little bit, like given that there's been a bit of an uptick in, in interest in puzzles. And I imagine that, you know, we've started to sell like a, maybe even a more diverse range of products as people are kind of doing a lot of activities from home. Yeah, yep. But yeah, I think it's it's been nice for for families um, that that more quality time doing these sort of activities together. Yeah, uh, it has brought families closer together. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Well, it sounds like you are indeed surviving homeschooling um, <laughs> extremely well in the circumstances with a very conscientious pupil. Yes, I feel very lucky. Great. Well, that's the end of the topics that we were going to discuss today. Um, we're very, very lucky to have a interview in the bag, pre-recorded before we all went into social distancing and isolation methods. So um, I got to chat, uh, it was well over two months ago, with Jessica Miller, the author of The Republic of Birds, which is a wonderful Russian-inspired um Russian folktale-inspired fantasy where the human world is at war with the bird world um, and the main character has a wonderful skill and facility um, with cartography and maps. So please enjoy uh, this interview with the author, Jessica Miller, and we will be back, we hope, next month. We don't know whether we'll be recording in person or from <laughs> our homes. Um, but thank you for joining us, Angela. It's It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Great to um, chat with you as always, Leanne. Wonderful and to chat. Books. Yeah, yeah I know. Lots more things I need to read now after yeah. chatting with you. Oh, I've really actually missed those kind of daily conversations with my colleagues about books and what we've been reading. It's It's been one thing I've missed greatly, so it's it's been really wonderful to chat to you today. And I look forward to next month when we get to chat again. Yep, great. Thank you so much and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. I'm very excited to welcome to the Readings Podcast Studio author Jessica Miller, who has a new book out this month called The Republic of Birds. Welcome to the studio, Jessica. Hi. It's lovely to have you here. You actually live in Berlin, um, so it's a bit of a treat to have you in Melbourne um, on the release of, of your new book. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to be here. Great. So 
We'll start off by talking about the Republic of Birds. I should mention that um, we're really familiar with Jess's work here at Readings because um, the Republic of Birds is her second middle grade fantasy book, but her first book, Elizabeth and Zenobia, was shortlisted for the Readings Children's Book Prize a few years ago. Um, So we're delighted that there's uh, a new book out. So... I know this is a difficult difficult question to ask, but if you could give us, give us a snapshot, um, Jess, of what is The Republic of Birds about? Sure. Well, um, the title is a pretty big clue. Uh, yeah. So it's set in this fantastical land called Saretsvo, um, very much inspired by Russian folklore. Um, and what's happened is that a civil war has divided the human Sardom from the Republic of Birds. So there was a war between humans and birds. Um, and our heroine, Olga, uh, her family is sent into exile to the to the very border of the human Sardom. And so they're right on the edge of the Republic of Birds, which is a very dangerous, magical kind of place. Um and when Olga's little sister is is taken, she's kidnapped by the birds, then Olga has to journey into this land to save her. I think it's really obvious just from hearing you talk about that. Mm. It's such a wonderfully inventive and exciting and, and new kind of setting and, and plot, I think, um, in an Australian book. So... The humans and birds have been separated by an incident. So they're kind of separated mm. geographically. They used to live together in the one place and now they're sort of divided um, across geography. What was the incident that um, that caused this, you know, this huge, um, this huge kind of fallout between humans and birds? Well, so Saratsu is this enormous land and it was so big that it had never been mapped. So there was a, the great mapping occurred, I think, I said in the book it was sometime in the 1800s, yeah. I believe, um, and one of the explorers that went out found a firebird's egg, which is um, a firebird once it hatches, um, in this book anyway, um, can be a very powerful weapon. And so, of course, the the Tsarina wanted it, the, the birds wanted it, and um, one day it disappeared and both sides blamed each other um, and that's kind of how it all yeah. started. It's such a great setting. I love about um, this world is it's so complete. It even has its own history. It has books. Um, you know, it has this um, this long-running feud between the humans and the birds. It has maps, um, which is, you know, one of my favourite things to have, I think, in a middle-grade book oh, is, me is a lot of maps. <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, so um, what what came first? Was it the idea of, of two sisters sort of separated, one getting kidnapped and the other sister having to rescue her? Or was it more like the setting, which is really beautiful and icy and northern and very inspired by Russian folklore and also, I think, real life history? Um, what, what came first for you? Oh, that's a that's a really hard question to answer. I think in my conscious brain, it was certainly the setting. I've loved Russian folklore and folktales since I was very small. I remember reading about the Baba Yaga and that just yeah. you know, this this crazy Russian witch that lives in a hut that kind of roams through the forest on chicken legs, and she's really fearsome. And that knocked my little socks off when I read it for the first time. You could so, resist yeah. a hut on chicken yeah. legs. It's so wonderful. So it was definitely the setting, I think, that came first. On the other hand, I do have two sisters yeah. um, and that's um, a pretty key relationship in my life. So I think the story of, of sisters and siblings and how they 
relate to each other, that's always just bubbling away at the back of my head. So I think, yeah, it's hard to say which came first but definitely the idea sprang from the from the setting yeah I think one of the strengths of the book which I absolutely loved was that the the setting is so magical and so complete and so mysterious and intriguing but also the family relationships and the family tensions are are really vivid and and feel very real in a magical setting um so Olga and her sister Miri um are very different from each other yes. and that does cause some tension at times. How would you characterise their, their sister relationship? Well, it's uh, Olga is the older sister um, and coincidentally I'm also the eldest uh-huh. sister yep. um, and her younger sister Mira is just um, kind of perfect in a way that's almost irritating. She's um, very graceful. She's a super talented ballerina. Everyone loves her. She never puts a foot wrong. And Olga just cannot help comparing herself to Mira um, and finding herself wanting. And Olga's a little bit um, spikier and um, maybe a little bit less easy to get along with from from time to time. But um, yeah. I love that about Olga actually yeah. that she's she's a little bit surly. Yeah. Um, and I, I like a surly heroine, I think, in, in my stories. Me t- me too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean hard she, relate. Yeah, yeah. Well I, I think sometimes, you know, when you're when you're around that sort of tween age or you're like mm. moving towards adolescence, you, you feel pretty um unlovely sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really actually liked liked that aspect of it. Um with the, the map, so Olga has a certain kind of interest um, in maps. She's really mm. obsessed with this book. Um, I think it's like the Great History of Tsarist Cartography. Oh, yeah, I should, great names, I should know the great, great names, names in Tsarist Cartography. And she's been studying up um, these, these you know, very esteemed cartographers, all of whom are men, but she herself has always been drawn to maps and has a certain type of facility with them. Um I, have you also always been interested in maps? Is cartography something that you've been obsessed with? Yeah, I I mean, I was obviously a very keen reader when I was young, um, but for me the books that felt the most special were always the books that you opened up and there was a map in the frontispiece because I think that's oh, just yeah. – there's just some kind of promise in in seeing a map at the start of yeah, a book. You know, yeah. there's an amazing land and, and you're going to go on an adventure that's going to – take you to all these different points on the map um so I loved like the Wizard of Earthsea a Wizard of Earthsea um obviously the Narnia books with Pauline Baines's beautiful maps um yeah, even Winnie the Pooh with yeah, the little map yeah. of the Hundred Acre Wood. It's true. It doesn't have to cover like huge amounts of distance. It can also be quite a localised yeah. map and that's helpful. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I – so I love these type of books with with maps in them and I actually um, – I wrote this book as – well, a version of this book when I was doing a PhD uh, at the University of oh, Queensland. Interesting. Yeah, and um, my critical component was actually on cartography – in children's books. Oh, wow. So I really, I really went deep. What a deep. dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is also kind of funny. I've always been fascinated by maps and I still am because I have a really bad sense of direction and I can't. Me too. I can't read maps. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, they're just enigmatic and mysterious Great. objects yeah. in my life that I'm yeah. fascinated by and can't really use. So they never became mundane to me. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting that this was part of um, your PhD. Mm. Was there anything about 
having the Republic of Birds being the product of a PhD that, that made it different in a way than, say, perhaps Elizabeth and Zenobia, your first book, was was anything different about the process? Um, I think it was a lot more um, ambitious in its scope. So yeah. Elizabeth and Zenobia was almost quite claustrophobic in the setting. Yeah. There's about five characters and it all takes place in this one creepy old house. Yeah. And then, you know, this I felt like I really spread my wings with this one. Yeah, because you I, went from yeah. containment to yeah. different worlds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, I think doing the PhD and having the support, um, A, of a scholarship and B, yeah. of um, really wonderful advisors gave me the confidence to feel like I could try something quite ambitious yeah. and new. And it also gave me a, a nice little travel grant that took me to Russia. Oh, um, yeah. great. So I did a residency, a writing residency in St. Petersburg. Oh, beautiful. Um, and a lot of the little um, details, particularly about the city um, in the book, came yeah. from St. Petersburg. Oh, wonderful. That's great. Yeah. So inspired by real-life locations. Yeah, or you, the the vibe of it, like the okay. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind yeah. of intangible sort yeah, of. Yeah, I don't think you could look at it and sort of say this is um, – this building in Stolitsa, which is my city, is connected to any building in St. Petersburg. But I think the the feeling of being there was very inspiring. Great. Um, I was quite interested. Uh, I, I don't really know much about Russian folklore. And in fact, I sort of um, don't really know much about birds, I think, in kind of a scientific <laughs> technical sense. Um but I was wondering, like, how much did you feel – it is a, a fantasy book, mm. um, you know, set in kind of alternate places. How much did you feel beholden either to, like, the source Russian folklore or the source kind of real-life history? Um, and, in fact, you know, scientific facts about birds or what yeah. you knew to be true <laughs> about birds. How much did you feel beholden to, say, the facts and reality versus – where you wanted to go in your imagination or where the story or characters were taking you? That's a good question. Um, very much not beholden to any yes. sort of any reality or scientific fact. I um, am also, I mean, I love birds very much, but I'm not, I don't have a very scientific brain. I'm not yeah. very good at knowing all the different, yeah. all the different bird species or yeah. anything like this. And in fact, I was due to hand in the very final, final, final yeah. draft to um, Jane Pearson, my editor at Text, who yeah. is fantastic. Um, and I realised that I had all these scenes where people are sort of whispering into birds' ears and uh -huh. I, I had to go on Google and I had to Google, do, do birds have ears? Because I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and they they kind of, I mean, they they can hear. They have these little holes in their heads, but they don't have ears as I had but you kind of call just them assumed ears. that they did. Oh, that's so um, funny. Yeah. So definitely not very beholden. Also with Russia, um, I was very inspired by the folklore and, yeah. and the history. Um, but I think, you know, it kind of started off as maybe what was going to be like a historical fiction yeah. book. And I quickly realised that I did not have... Um, probably the capacity to do yeah. that. So it was, yeah, it was very early on a very conscious decision to sort of say, well, I'm inspired by this source material, but I'm taking it way off in my own direction. And okay. that was, yeah, I think that's when the book started to really come together, yeah. actually. Excellent. That's wonderful. So um, just finally, uh, if you're able to say, what, what do you think you'll write next or what are you working on next? 
Just a little tantalising glimpse for everyone. I'm working on, so the Republic of Birds was a pretty huge undertaking with, oh God, I would have written it about 20 times. Yeah, wow. Um, and so I started working on something that was just like pure fun. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm working on now. And it's a little story about um, a hotel, um, very inspired by Germany where I live. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's one of these hotels that has, you know, a porter and a concierge and all of these people. And then it also has a witch who does all the magic for the hotel, like room service magic. So that's oh, excellent. How useful yeah. a hotel witch. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just pure fun and I'm really enjoying writing it. So oh, who wonderful. knows what will happen with that. But. Oh, I'm already looking forward to it. Um, so thank you so much for coming in to chat to us, Jess. I want to urge everyone who is listening um, to pick yourself up a copy of The Republic of Birds. Uh, it's such a wonderful book. I know it's early in the year, but I'm predicting that this is going to be on my um, favourite books of 2020 list. Without a doubt, I, I enjoyed it so much. It uh, took me to such a mysterious and magical place and I, I really bonded strongly with the main <laughs> character, Olga. I really felt for her and she goes on a wonderful and perilous journey both physical and also kind of a journey of self-discovery during this book so it's it's really quite brilliant so please please find a copy of it and read it and Jessica thank you so much for coming to chat to us today thank you for having me it was such a pleasure you can stream previous episodes of the readings kids book podcast on our website where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books music film and tv there you can also sign up to our e-news or to receive the free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Music for this podcast was provided by Peter Hodgson and production by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty was never ceded.